This episode of the Mental Health Survival Guide podcast is brought to you in part by New Traditions. In recovery, we often make changes to our lives to avoid stress and even relapse. We do this for our overall health and the greater good. However, habits and traditions are hard to break. So instead of cutting yourself completely off of the world, I, Survival Nick, suggest that you find new connections and create new habits and new traditions. So seek out recovery-friendly communities and activities, and if you need help, ask your counselor or therapist, or you can send me a message. My email is survivalnick518 at gmail.com. Today, I, Survival Nick, am here at 151 Banker Road, which is the town of Plattsburgh's headquarters, and I'm speaking to the supervisor for the town of Plattsburgh, Michael S. Cashman. Thank you for being on the show today. Good day, Nick, and uh, good day to your listeners. Thanks for having me. So you were on the old podcast that I had, um, which you can still hear if you look it up. But uh, for those who don't know you, who are you and what do you do? Sure. Well, first of all, I like to consider your other podcasts vintage at this point, oh, right? Vi- yes, yeah, vintage. vintage. On vinyl, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm the Plattsburgh Town Supervisor uh, and uh, I'm an elected official. Uh, I serve kind of three distinct roles as a town supervisor. Um, one might say I serve in uh, a capacity of a chief uh, elected officer, you know, or spokesperson for the town. I have some legislative responsibilities as a member of the town board, and then I also serve as the chief uh, financial officer for the town of Plattsburgh. Okay, yeah, that's a lot of hats. Yeah, there's a, yeah. a lot of stuff going on there. Okay, um, uh, town of Plattsburgh, actually, so just, you know, for transparency's sake, I do not live in the town of Plattsburgh, but I do live in Plattsburgh. That's all right. Which is, uh, I guess, not uncommon for, you know, towns and cities to, to separate I live in the city of Plattsburgh, and but I I do love the town of Plattsburgh. I come here for everything. You Perfect. Know, that's a lot of fun. And and I, and I am very fond of the city. I mean, uh, part of my origin story into the region uh, uh, directly relates back to the city of Plattsburgh. So. Right. Yeah, and I've actually really enjoyed following your partnership with the city. I've seen that you've done a lot of things with uh, uh, city projects to kind of bring the town and the city together, and I think that's really cool. So. With that said, what are some of your biggest challenges um, professionally as the supervisor of Plattsburgh? Sure. So I think some of the challenges as it relates to being on uh, the local level as an elected official is um, we have a lot of mandates that come down from what is often seen as the higher ups in government, you know, whether it be the federal government, the state government uh, or county. So, you know, we work within a system of bureaucracy um, and we have to navigate uh, that, you know, as, as a team and, and individually. So that's a, a large part of it. But there's also, uh, I think, a lot of opportunities within that, too, to kind of break the mold. Uh, I've jokingly said that government, unfortunately, works at glacial speed. So that's that's a, that's a big challenge as well. That's a, that's a strange thing because... Glaciers. Uh, when I, when anyone says glacier, I think, oh, hey, it's the thing that brought down the Titanic. Yes. So, but yeah, yeah I could see it. And and you know, to and to use kind of another metaphor is government is kind of built and designed like a large cruise ship. It's very large that it's purposely 
hard to make extreme left or right turns. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. So you have to kind of steer into it. So it takes a little while. What I think people need to become more familiar with, though, is there's a lot of opportunity to work within the decks of the ship, and there's a lot going on there, uh, and and that's where our primary focus has been at the at the local level. Wow! Look at you, like totally taking a metaphor and making it your own. <laughs> uh, what about personally? So you're a human being. Mm-hmm. You you and I are around the same age. So, but you also have a very important job. Mm-hmm. So how does that affect you personally? Sure. So um, one of the things that I've always been very transparent about uh, that I that I tend to lead off of and most people uh, that may not necessarily know uh, part of my story is I have dyslexia. And, you know, that uh, is both a challenge and an opportunity. Um, I think that as an individual that has dyslexia, it's an opportunity to see things differently. Um, yeah. But it also means that you need to double down, uh, work harder than, than some people. Sure. Um, so that really has become a lens by which I, I look at a lot of different things. When I arrived here in Plattsburgh, I did so to attend SUNY Plattsburgh. And I selected SUNY Plattsburgh because of the strong academic programs, but the supportive nature of uh, being able to kind of chart my own course. And, you know, eventually I graduated with a master's degree in counseling, too. So there you go. I very much care for the well-being of individuals. Um, I carry that a lot uh, on my shoulders in the sense of while there's a lot of great things that are going on, there are a lot of things that we could improve upon in society. Yeah, just because things are better than they were doesn't mean we stop. Correct. But what's really cool about the events that I've seen you at is that you speak um, not necessarily as a person of authority. You speak as an advocate for recovery and wellness. And that's very different. I'm not always the biggest fan of the gatherings where all these important people come and they stand at a podium. They have five minutes to talk. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you're there, I actually really like what you say because you have a a lot of drop the mic moments. Mm -hmm. There was, uh, I forgot what the gathering was, but it was at the uh, recovery center. Everybody was just kind of talking about thanking each other, and which was really cool. And I think, you know, when it comes to uh, the bureaucracy of government, Mm -hmm. um, you kind of need to show appreciation. That's how things work. But you didn't get up there to do that. You, You went up there and you spoke your mind you you were just like yeah this is really good but we have more to do absolutely you know and speaking of the world of recovery you know um i've had a number of my own personal family members that have been very successful in their recovery and then i've had um some really unfortunate uh situations where we've lost loved ones you Mm. know so i i have i have felt the pull and the pressures and the pain on my heart and seeing it in the faces and in and, and, and the you know the emotions of folks like my grandmother um, who we lost my uh, one of my uncles um, and then my grandfather uh, was a long time um, participant in AA and you know mentored a lot of people and was in a long-term recovery so really, the way that I've looked at it is w- the way that we end stigma is that we have to be truthful, speak our own story um, so that people feel comfortable being in their own skin 
but that also has a responsibility that I have to be comfortable with my own origin and my family and, 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 and share that with people. Um, recovery is not a bad thing. It's no. not something to be kept in the closet. Yeah. It's something to not only be celebrated, but talked about in conversations that you have when you're having coffee with people. Yeah. It, it, you don't need to, you don't need to, it's not something just to be dropped on people. It just should be part of the, 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 the casual conversation that yeah. we have with one another. Yeah. Yeah. Normalize it. Normalize Absolutely. It. Uh, you said that you went to Plattsburgh state mm-hmm. and you graduated with a degree in counseling. Uh, a master's degree in counseling. Yeah. That's not the degree you would normally think would lead to being a town supervisor, would you say? No, and nor would I say that I ever dreamed when I was a youngster that I was going to be like a town supervisor. You know, like yeah. that that wasn't necessarily my career, you know, trajectory. And, you know, I even pivoted from my undergraduate degree. So I did my undergraduate and my master's at SUNY Plattsburgh. My undergraduate degree was in speech communications, basically um, public relations and, and marketing. Cool. Then got a degree in counseling, uh, then worked at SUNY Plattsburgh for a number of years in higher education. But no. Uh, but I will tell you, though, that the skills as a counselor ben- benefit me every single day. I use a model of listen, learn, lead. Um, I think as a public, to be a public servant versus a politician is to serve your constituents, your residents, your taxpayers, whatever label you want to put on the individuals that you're serving, uh, is you have to listen to them. You know, you don't do this in a vacuum and listening also has to become active because everyone has something to learn. Yeah. Um, I'm not a subject expert in everything. I have things that I feel much more comfortable, you know, in a particular arena or subject matter, but I still have opportunities to learn. And then it's coupling those two things and making it the most active in leading. And leading can be lending your voice in advocacy. Sure. It's can be, it could be uh, standing uh, shoulder to shoulder uh, with someone that's uh, in trouble or just needs some advice. Um, it can be writing letters, it it could be, you know, marches and demonstrations, it can be passing legislation. It's so many different opportunities that it's an active uh, spectrum of listening, learning, and then leading. That's interesting that you bring that up because I think a lot of people, what they find their problem with government is, is that government elected officials sometimes surround themselves with a bubble of people who are, who agree with their stance and they don't necessarily listen to the general public. Absolutely. And I, you know, often I will tell people and it's happened, uh, you know, a number of times and it will happen uh, more um, by the time I'm out, I'm out office, people will come in and they will have a concern or issue. Right. And I tend to start the conversation with, um, do you and your husband or wife or children or neighbor agree 100% of the time? Of course not. No. My wife, Olivia, and I don't agree 100% of the time. But I'm going to promise you that I'm going to listen. I'm going to try to learn as as best as possible and be respectful in that. And hopefully we can come to some type of solution or, or you know, direction that is beneficial. And I think we've lost a lot of that where we don't take the time to try to understand the other person's perspective. We may not agree with it, right. but we can be respectful enough and we can be engaged enough that we can find the opportunities where we find commonality between us. 
You know, that is very difficult uh, nowadays. It is one side versus the other side. If you're not with us and supporting our idea, you're against us. And you are, and if you're against us, you're part of the other. I don't buy into kind of what is often referred to as don't, don't, don't get wrapped up in the headlines. Like, don't believe, you know, every, every positive thing, because for every good comment that you may receive, you may not directly hear it, but there's somebody that doesn't like your approach, what right. you said, how you deal with it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm comfortable with that. Um, I think conflict is not a bad thing. I think it's how it is addressed. The other model that I subscribe to is communication, collaboration, and compromise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, can we find enough commonality where you get a little bit of what you're looking for? I maybe get a little bit for what I'm looking for. And I'm not saying compromise values. I mean, I think a lot of people have gotten into this point too of, well, you know, we don't, we don't compromise. I'm talking about broadening your, your view of what of the subject is enough to understand maybe uh, uh, a perspective that you were not privy to before and you go, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can, I can, I can understand where you're coming from on that. And yep. You know, it's, it's, it's not something that we need to uh, get into fisticuffs over. Sure. Yeah. So it feels like nowadays that all of us are expected to be experts on all topics and we need to then take all this evidence and then choose a side. Yeah. And that's really tough because uh, a society functions not because everyone gets along. Mm-hmm. A society functions because we compromise. Yeah. A society functions because we try to figure out ways that we can all live together. Yeah. And that's very difficult. I think people need to become comfortable with expressing that they don't know. I mean, it's it's okay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, in any given day, I probably say that three or four times, <laughs> you know, on a low level. I don't know. I'll get back to you. Yeah. Or let me look into it. And right. I think it's important to to seek, um, you know, perspectives or, or information that gives you a well-rounded view of something that you don't just go to the source that you know that's going to kind of give you the answer of what you're looking for. Which um, is what most of us do. Let's, uh, let's get back to this a little bit about, you know, uh, what you do in your job sure. here. So you've been the town of Plattsburgh supervisor for how long? About six years now. About six years. Yep. And um, what did you do right before that? So I was the assistant director for the Center for Student Involvement at SUNY Plattsburgh. Mm -hmm. And my portfolio included everything from working with student government uh, to managing the volunteer programs. Um, I was also involved in new student orientation and some special projects through the vice president's office. So a a, a wide variety of things. That was probably a good uh, precursor for your involvement in uh, town politics, right? Absolutely. One of the early uh, opportunities that I had was way back in the day uh, when I was an undergraduate, uh, Michael Mannix, who was the executive director of the United Way invited me to serve on what is known as the Allocation Committee. And that committee is the one that doles out all the money from the annual fundraiser. And it gave me a really unique advantage point to understand the needs of our community. And then a number of years later, as a professional at the college, I helped work with the United Way to launch the annual Day of Caring, which has grown into the region's largest one day of service. It's absolutely fantastic. So, you know, those partnerships uh, are really, really important and, you know, I really appreciate my friendship with John Bernardi and, yeah. you know, that team. 
Um, so it all goes back to someone extending an invitation and keeping up relationships too. Yeah. And it's amazing to see how many, uh, organizations and programs get their funding, at least partial funding Mm -hmm. from the United Way. Absolutely. So, wow, that's, that's amazing. Um, so let's talk about this a little bit. You are an advocate. I, I, I would call you an advocate. I would call you an advocate superstar because you are not afraid to talk about the stuff that other people don't like to talk about, Mm -hmm. which is really important. So personally in your life, how does this job or the pressure of this job affect your mental health? Particularly during the the pandemic, right, that we're, that we're living through, the global pandemic, there's been more pressure like everyone um, because I think it's been hyper-focused. Um, I really enjoy uh, face-to-face communication. Mm-hmm. I enjoy uh, being in situations where I can pull in a group of people to collaborate. Um, you know, I'm over Zoom. You know, we're over we're over that kind of distance. We are experiencing Uh, Zoom fatigue. Absolutely. So, you know, that part of it has been um, kind of an an energy suck. What I do for my own mental health is I spend a lot of time in our town parks. I enjoy photography. Um, I have three dogs, so spend a lot of time with the pups. Um, Work is also something that I get a lot of energy from because to me, uh, the public service of helping to move the dial is something that I try to be very dogged about. And if I can see movement on it, it just gives me more energy to get that dial to go even further. Um, Mm. So that's what really kind of gives me energy. Yeah, I I feel like that's something a lot of people would say. Like a lot of people would say, oh, I love my job and inspires me. But I I, I believe it when you say it, because Mm. I feel like you have to be passionate about the uh, job that you do when you are in the position that you're in. But Say you have a really rough day, oh, yeah. rough day at work. Absolutely, I'm sure it happens. And uh, you get home. What what do you do to take care of yourself? Oh, it's it's immediately going out in the backyard with the dogs. Yeah. I mean, it just that mental release, um, getting the endorphins in. Uh, I got a golden retriever and, and two beagles, and it's just that sense of play in the backyard. Yeah. Um, you know, nothing overly complicated. We, you know, there's a, one of my favorite parks that the town has is Lapeer Lane oh, on, yeah. on on the Saranac River. Yeah. And just doing that that loop a couple of times and, you know, and, and taking some time to sit by the river. Um, yeah. That nice. really goes a long way. Yeah. And I often um, am known to do on Fridays at the end of the week, go to Lapeer Lane and I call it my, um, you know, moment of zen where I will kind of wrap up my work week by stopping over at that park before I head home, uh, because it's pretty much around the corner, uh, do a couple of loops and just let it kind of melt away. Even if I have to work on Saturday, but it just gives, it's a nice punctuation to the week. It's an opportunity for to reflect on the good, the bad, the ugly, but also gives me an opportunity to kind of go, okay, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's a good way to do it. And also you're not taking a lot of that stress Home Absolutely. Necessarily. Yeah. So not that that can, we can't always avoid that. But I think it's, you know, what's unique about this position, Nick, is that as an elected official, particularly, you know, uh, in, in this particular seat, the, the advantage point of being able to talk about my own role is it is a 24 hour a day job. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's sure. it's there when there's a winter storm. I've gotten calls from Office of Emergency Management when, you know, there's been other situations, uh, house fires. Unfortunately, we've had residents lose their home oh. in a devastating fire. And, right. and I enjoy being in a position not from the bad things that occur, but being available to those that may be in a crisis situation. Right. So you, uh, you don't put your phone away for the weekend. Huh? No. That would be hard for me. My first year in office, I really did not take a vacation. I wanted to kind of live the full cycle, sure. like the full 365 days. And uh, now that I've been in office for a couple of years, um, my wife and I do two things. We do what we call backyard adventures. Okay. Uh, if I don't have something scheduled on a Saturday or Sunday, we'll go and take an adventure within kind of a 90-minute, you know, uh, area and just do something fun. Okay. Um, go for a ride, you know, try to find a little restaurant, something like that. But the other thing that we've done is we've, you know, Maine is a place that we really enjoy. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, so we, beautiful. you know, taking that time to be able to put the phone away, but then we have an agreement that if we're on vacation, well, I can't completely put it away that I will limit it so I can triage yeah. email so when i when i come back it's not like i've wasted an entire vacation because now i'm overwhelmed by the avalanche of yeah. work <laughs> and, and, and and you're not you're not completely cutting yourself off yeah. you're you have people that you trust yeah, absolutely. that know that you're away yeah. that can kind of proxy for you yeah. a and that's a that's a key word that you invoked is trust yeah. being able to do this in partnership with people you need to be able to trust people but speaking of other people yeah. Uh, so we have this shared community. What would you like to see change in our community? I'd like to expand that loop a little bit bigger um, because often we become very hyper-focused on town and city relationships. Sure. But the yeah. need in Clinton County, yeah. uh, okay. for example, something that I've been very vocal about is we need more housing, for example. Yes, we do. Okay. Um, and... Uh, that's not a problem that is that is you know just around our area. No, that it's is, not. It's a national problem, uh, but global. Correct, but you know when I look at it day in and day out, we need more housing. I firmly believe that no person should go without a home, and no person should go without food. I mean, yeah. there's there's a laundry list of those types of things. Yeah. But we have a housing crisis here in the North Country. Yeah. And that often leads into some of the other issues and stigmas that occur. Sure. Well, I think, I mean, you say we have a housing crisis, and I agree with you, but I will also say that I think um, part of that crisis is a NIMBY, not my backyard. Absolutely, crisis. 100%. And having, a, having worked in this industry yep. for a while, I have seen there several attempts to create housing for low-income or people who are in recovery that have been shut down by close-minded folks um, or made it made so complicated that it mm -hmm. takes years meanwhile we have people who need houses yesterday they yep. need we have families yep. who are you know living in you know one person residences sure um, and, and and that's why you know when when we talk about um, one of the first times that I think you and I met in a public event uh, we were over on the MHAB campus yes we were I'm a huge supporter and advocate for MHAB because I can confidently say my grandmother, who's in her 80s, 
we talk a lot about the work that I do and, and, and you know, and, and she reads the local newspaper and she'll be like, oh, tell me more about this thing that I, I read about. And the uncle that I lost that that overdosed, she said, if there was an MHAB in his community, I'm confident that he would he would still be alive today. And I share that story because these are the resources that we need. It's not just about uh, feel good moments. It's about dignity it's about respect it's about our interconnection as human beings and since i've been in this office i'm proud to say that we have seen things like mhab on board atlas heights northwoods but we can't stop though we need more yeah we need to continue to advocate and see more of this because that's the baseline of what people need to live so can't you just as town supervisor just be like here you go Nope, this is, these are the rules. I am remaking the laws. And this is, we are now all commercial zoning for residential. Can't you just do that? So what's, we don't have a magic wand, right, no. in government. But what I can tell you, though, is that the town of Plattsburgh adopted what is known as a smart growth plan. And in the town center, you know, Smithville Boulevard, Tom Miller, yeah. and various locations, we have adopted plans that allow for more mixed use. And one of the reasons that I love the Northwood project is it hits on all cylinders where people can walk to healthcare, like Hudson Hedgewaters. Yeah. You can walk to um, Hannaford's. There's, you know, uh, a number of jobs. We also worked with the Clinton County uh, Transportation to have, um, you know, it on the bus route. But we need to continue to do more and build out the infrastructure yeah. so that, it's a great place to live, work, and play. And what the reason I invoke play is it's right around the corner to a park, make courier. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to, I think, find the appropriate locations and not put up obstacles, sure. but break down those things and say, okay, this is how we're going to help you get it done. How much longer are you going to do this supervisor thing? So I have two more years left in this term. Uh, I've always told people uh, very directly that I will only serve in the town supervisor's seat for a total of three terms. Um, I believe in term limits, so I I haven't quite made the the decision yet whether I'll run for a third and final term. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if I do run, that will be my final term. Okay. So there is no term limit on there town is, supervisor. There, there is no term limits on the Plattsburgh town supervisor. And the reason I say that is different municipalities have different rules. Right. Um, but I believe in, in role modeling uh, what I expect out of positions. Yeah. And going in on my first term, I told people that I would only do three. And you're sticking to that. I'm sticking to that. Okay. That's very cool. Very cool. For, yeah. So what's so you don't know what you're doing after this then? No. You know... And I, I'm comfortable with that because when I was working at the college, I loved my job. I loved um, what I did. And I didn't necessarily see myself in the seat that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was open-minded enough when a person tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you should think about this. So as I get to the, you know, the end of, of this path, I will make the appropriate calibration to, to see what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot, um, both personally and professionally, uh, for me ahead, but right now I'm focused on doing the best that I can in this job. Good answer. Now we've talked about, um, housing. We need mm-hmm. housing. Uh, we've talked about recovery. We've talked about, uh, mental health and lowering stigma on top of that. If you could with a magic wand, mm-hmm. which you don't have, 
um, if you could fix or change anything in the world, what would it be? Uh, I'm going to go in a much more holistic uh, approach. I wish that I could provide for people the comfort and strength to be okay asking for personal help. Oh. Because I don't think enough people ask for help. Yeah. Um, myself included. Yeah. We all get into situations where we just maybe are overwhelmed in the moment. And I think if we all were willing to lean in and ask for help, that we would know that there were people out there because they were asking for help um, that they could probably get it themselves. It is very difficult. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that good answer. Good answer. So thank you very much for uh, doing this uh, interview, this podcast. Uh, I hope that you have a bright future in the town of Plattsburgh and that we can see each other at more events. Um, But before we leave, do you have any advice or thoughts or suggestions for our listeners? Sure. I'll uh, invoke some of the best advice that my grandfather gave me years ago. And, you know, I don't think it was his own words, but the sentiment is certainly there. It's be yourself. No one is more qualified to be you than you. And, you know, I just, and that's what um, I really appreciate about the work that you're doing. Um, I'm a firm believer of people that inspire by example. Thank you for leaning in for our community. Uh, And no, I I mean it. And, and others, there's many more people. um, But um, I, thanks. Thank you very much, Michael. And uh, listeners, please take care of yourself and take care of each other because we all know that survival is so much more than just staying alive.